Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I'm trying to get back to Sedic. The time of the Lord's favor has come. Dave is here to show us the way to Eden through justice. But before we get to last week's sermon, now that they've neglected Mishpot by waiting for soul rescue in a fat city, <laughs> let's welcome in our favorite cherubims. Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. Oh, that was a good one. How you guys doing? Can't, can't wait for Fat City. Yeah. yeah. And Dave's here. Hey. Yay! Welcome, Dave. <laughs> it's been a while since the whole gang's been here. Yeah. Back. Like maybe since last year. Feels that way. It could be. I think it wow. probably yeah, was. Last, last yeah. time I was here, uh, Tyler was, just, was Tyler was gone. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Barry, yeah, you're fresh off a retreat. Yeah, I want to hear all I don't about, know about it. Fresh, but I'm, I'm well, you're you're back. off the retreat. Yeah, I just got back from the uh, the merge, the high school winter retreat for yeah. Grace, and uh, it was out up in uh, Epworth Forest Camp somewhere. Yeah, <clears throat> Methodist camp. It was actually, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. What uh, what happens on these things? So, I don't know. I mean, do you guys remember like. I remember when church, I went on it. Church ski trips. Yeah. And it was like a couple of messages and then a lot of like skiing and goofing off. Yeah. And these are, I don't know whether it's because we have changed or whether the kids actually want this, but it's a lot more focused on teaching and small group time and worship than I ever remember when I was in high school. Less like tobogganing. Yeah. There's, there was no skiing. It was free time had just like goofing off, running around. I mean, there was a few now, hours. My daughter told me she had a, was it a six hour block of free time? There was yeah, some yeah. point where she had Most a ton of, of free Saturday, time. She had, yeah, they had, they had a lot of free time, but compared to yeah, what I mean, we had in high school where it was like <laughs> and it, the entire second day of the retreat yeah. was skiing. Yeah. It's, it used to be called ski trip. Yeah. yeah not not right. retreat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So somewhere along the line, we, we flipped some kind of switch. And so, so and, what was it like? What happened? So it was. Uh, we had four sessions, uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning. And then there were four times for them to meet with their small groups and work through stuff. And we spent the whole time talking about, oh, and there's always really awesome, raucous worship, lots of jumping. It's like a rave. Yeah. <laughs> and it is <clears throat> quite awesome. It's a blast. I saw some videos. Oh, it's so fun. I and used then, to do that. Like I used to do the music for the high school retreats probably 10 years ago. Yeah. It is way better now. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. Like oh, it's amazing. It looks amazing. Like yeah. it looks like you're at. I don't know. What are some cool band names? Like a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> me, me with me without you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like you're at a me without you concert. <laughs> That'll come up later. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. It's great. It's great worship. Kids are really into it. And I I spoke this year about identity. I focused on Romans 12 and essentially helped them think through all the ways that the world is trying to trap them in an identity trap. Uh, trying to lock them into identities which are meant to change and grow instead of uh, focusing on their true core identity as children of God. And Why'd so, you pick something that was so irrelevant? I didn't actually. Oh my goodness. I didn't pick it. it this, was, <laughs> this was something that grew out of the student ministries team saying our students really need this. Mm. Will you talk about this topic? And I said, yeah. So I'm sure they loved it because they, they probably don't, other than their church home, they don't have a lot of people that are consciously talking about this like there's the subconscious part of sure. culture that's telling them what yeah. their identity yeah. ought to be and stuff yeah. but yeah. i'm sure they loved it it was it was good it was intense i mean it was like some heady stuff that they had that we had to work through and talk through and stuff but talk about the the activity that you did so i got home from north carolina yesterday yeah had to meet up with des and say how was the retreat did you get my email i got an earful i did get your email okay, good. i got your email to like all the parents yeah, yeah, like yeah. this is what we did yeah you know that's all fine and good i want to i want to get straight, it straight to the Source. Yep. Yep. What did Desi take away from this? And uh, she told me that you, she said, Barry came up with a new phrase, identity trap. Ooh. And she's like, and it was really good. And she talked about how she connected with your messages. Yeah. So it, she's a 14 year old girl. Yeah. So there were things about the weekend that she's like, well, that was kind of bogus. But the <laughs> thing that she really connected with and loved, of yeah. course, was worship. She said worship what? was amazing. Yeah. She's my daughter. <laughs> And your messages. And yeah. she talked about, I think you did an activity, was it the first night yes. that had the list of things you could label yourself as? Yeah. What was that sound? <laughs> There's like a mouse in my drink. <laughs> I don't know. So, oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> oh man. Add that to the soundboard. Yeah. Uh, yeah the first night we did an, uh, an exercise. It wasn't my idea. Someone introduced it and I thought it was brilliant. So we had a list of a single sheet of paper on cardstock that just had, I don't know. 
80 different statements mm-hmm. and it's like, I am this, this, this. And they're everything from, I am a football player to, I am anxious to, I am uh, funny. I'm ashamed of my body. Like ev- a whole range of stuff. And uh, the team helped me kind of come up with these and it was just all over stuff. And um, I had, we had everybody circle all the things that applied to them, all the things that they thought of, of themselves. And then we collected them. It was all anonymous. And then the second day or Saturday morning, we had everybody, we passed them all back out and said, okay, you've got someone's identity sheet in your hand. So you're going to represent that person. Let's see who's in here. Who is a fan of Harry Potter. Everyone stand up if you're a fan of Harry Potter and all the people whose sheet said that stood up so we could see, oh, this is the number of people who are fans of that and worked through it and eventually got down to like, some pretty heavy stuff. Like who's struggling with anxiety? A lot of, a lot of students stood up, uh, who's, uh, you know, who's got some, somewhere they're non, uh, straight cisgender. They're, they're questioning their sexuality. They're, they're gay, whatever. And a lot of, you know, a good number of students stood up who were in that, that phase as well. But then at the end I said, okay, now who in this room, now these are students representing other students, other students. Yes. Yeah, so it was all anonymous. Paper. I was about yes. to say that, no, I know. That takes a lot of guts. No, 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 no. I, and I made it very Church clear. I, I said, guys, this, this, this is not about you. This is about the person you're representing. And I, yeah. I said, okay, stand if you, uh, if you looking at that paper, if you wanted to just give that person a hug and you had compassion for them and you just wanted to tell them it's going to be okay. And like everybody stood mm. up. It was, that was, wow. that was all, that was like a last minute addition that I threw in there. And that was so powerful. That and then moment. everybody's but, crying. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was intense. Anyway, I would lose it. I would all that to say, I I used that sheet that that as a representation of the identities that the world wants us to lock ourselves into, like wants to tattoo all over our bodies that makes, make them permanent. Yeah. Um, when there was nothing spiritual on, I didn't put anything about faith or Christianity on the, on the sheet intentionally so that I could say, Mm. these are not your true identity. Your true identity is as a child of God. These things come secondarily to that. Mm. Uh, and they can change. And so we use that, but then the, at the very last session, we did an activity because we had talked about the idea of surrendering our identities to, to God and actually, you know, making surrendering, uh, to Jesus, our, our primary identity, we had them take, we passed out the sheets again and we had them all take crayons and draw either an image or a word or a phrase, anything that they wanted over top of another person's identity sheet to, um, basically convey the fact that they, that those things don't define them, mm. you know, that they can, they are truly their children of God. And what happened was so cool. And then they all put them up on a wall in the back. And so we had this wall full of colorful depictions and you had people saying like, you are so loved and, and uh, you know, free and all these, all these words mm-hmm. and people were drawing, I, I used an image of a cocoon and a butterfly, people were drawing butterflies. And so it was, it wow. was really cool in, in a sense because the last session was all about how we don't discover our true identities in Jesus alone. We discover them in community. Hmm. So it was a way for us to, as a community, in a sense, kind of speak into each other's lives. It was yeah. it was really powerful. That was, was really the cool. other thing that Des said from her experience that she like really bonded with her small group and particularly her small group leaders. Good. And that was like a huge takeaway for yeah, her. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know, th- I don't, we, uh, we don't ever talk about them on this show, but I hope that the student ministries leaders and staff are like, feel like heroes today. Mm-hmm. Like they are yeah. go to go away for two days, two nights away from your families, like away from your, whatever your schedules to spend time with a bunch of kids on a ski trip. Right. And <laughs> yeah. you know, those kids retreat. aren't going to bed at like yeah. 11. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're a hero. And to, to yes. usher them into a place where they get to safely wrestle with identity and understanding who they are in Jesus. Like, man, you are, you are doing great work. Yeah. And so thank, thank you, you yeah. on behalf of, yeah. we've Amen. got some inc- incredible team members. So it was really cool. It was a privilege to be able to join them. Cool. Cool. Marin's f- fresh back <laughs> from a trip of her own. Where'd you go? Yeah. So I, I, I went on the Epic mother son cross country road trip. I've been talking about for the last yeah. two weeks. It happened. It was as amazing as I hoped it would be. Um, so my sister lives in the mountains of North Carolina. She's mm-hmm. nine hours away. She's like right off the Blue Ridge Parkway. Gorgeous out there. And the all ages show that she found, really it's my sister gets all the credit for this. She tracked down this band's only maybe all ages show on this tour. Yeah. Um, turns out it was in Columbia, South Carolina. 
So we got to go even <laughs> further. further. Even uh, further. That that puts it at a total of 12 hours. Oh, she had the wow. wrong spot. No, I mean, my sister lives in North Carolina. Oh, okay. So we got there Friday night, crashed at her place, and then got up Saturday and drove the additional three hours yeah. to get to the show, which, of course, like is late <laughs> so yeah. i got to drive home after that show what, what's jaden what's jaden feeling today probably on cloud nine yeah like time it, of his life with his mom at a concert truly that truly awesome. i know that it had way less to do with me than actually being at the <laughs> no concert way, man. but the fact that he got to see it we crossed five states we crossed an entire mountain range to get him that to this awesome. show awesome. and uh, well i saw a awesome. picture of him posing by a tree yeah. <laughs> with his band shirt on was that like outside the venue or something where was yeah, that that was before the show so okay. there's of course it's south carolina so the palmetto tree is everywhere yeah. which to a midwesterner is like we may as well be in the bahamas right now like yeah. look at that yeah. it's so tropical um <laughs> and it was gorgeous down there it was like springtime all yeah. the trees were yeah. flowering and it was really cool so I, my objective was obviously to get him to see his favorite band live and we mm-hmm. did that they did not disappoint i was so afraid that they would disappoint him <laughs> oh no because i've been disappointed by like a couple of bands in my lifetime where i've been waiting my whole life to see them and they were that's awful not, that's awful not like life. you to think of the worst case scenario on a mother son show <laughs> that's not, that doesn't sound like you you leave my enneagram type out of this <laughs> yeah tyler so it was worth it everybody it was had worth a good time it. the band was spot on incredible desi's and then, like where's my trip Coming up, her okay. her trip. I'll probably do a trip with her in the summertime. Awesome. But I'm planning one right now. But yeah, is he Jed got still to meet alive? a couple. Like bit. Jed made it. Jed <laughs> through the weekend without you guys. So Jed had both parents with him oh, yeah, all he had weekend. His, he Jed had his mom. was going to be just fine. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, right. he's good. But it was it was awesome. And then Sunday, um, we just did nothing but hike. It's the mountains oh, cool. of North Carolina where my sister Gotta lives. So Jade and I went out and stood at the base of a waterfall and Whoa. he took his sweet time flipping rocks over looking for <laughs> all kinds of critters and salamanders. And like that's when he's just in his element. Wow. Even, tree tree maybe without even, you. Even, <laughs> oh right. Harry right? Rodriguez. It's a good one. Even more than music. I think nature is where he is just at his fullest. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. It was really amazing. Glad you got to go. I'm just, I'm, a, I'm on cloud nine. Yeah. I wish mm-hmm. I could do it all over again tomorrow. It was amazing. Yeah. Totally worth it. Good. Yeah. Are you just looking forward to self-driving cars for this kind of thing in the future? Or is that? <laughs> do you think I would trust <laughs> yeah. a self-driving car Gird your loins. through the mountains? Hey, I'm no just way. Those curves. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I learned how to downshift on this trip. Ooh. So that's exciting. Wait, how, <laughs> how steep was it? Yeah. Oh my goodness. The, have you not driven like parts of the Blue Ridge yes, Parkway? I have. No, it, it's not that bad. So it isn't so much the steep. Like, so it, it, it can be. If it's, a, if it's like a long. a semi? <laughs> I yeah. felt like I was driving a semi. If it's a long, like steep drop, whatever. Like y- you have to ride the brake the whole time. If you you're think you're going to have to go off into one of those sand pits? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Cool off my brakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or just like the sharp, sharp curves. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, you, mm, I, I lost all my words. <laughs> you can't experience driving like that in the Midwest. I'm sure nobody's ever done it. You just can't. <laughs> you have to go to mountainous regions. Yeah. And I guess for me, yeah. like every other time that we've gone to North Carolina, um, I used to go out on tour quite a bit and I never drove. I was always yeah. asleep in the back of the van. So like somebody else did the driving yeah. this time. It was all on me. Well, good. It's a good experience for both of you. <laughs> yeah. We live to tell the tale. Dave, how you doing? Uh, good. Except for the downside of my sinus infection, which is oh. going on its fourth week. Yeah. Uh, you've been struggling for a while. Bad, huh? bad. Is it, is it getting better or are we still in the throes of... Yesterday, I, text, I texted my friend, my doctor, and I said, maybe, just maybe, I'm starting to feel better. And he wrote back, amen, amen. This yeah. morning, I woke up awful. Oh. So, Is it is it one of those things that's like worse in the morning than any other time? No, it's worse all the time. Worse all the time? Mm. It's all the time. And I lie down, and I get congested, and I can't breathe. and then It's just... Have you done you the neti pot? <laughs> I've tried that in the past. Yeah. You should no. try that. That'll help. I don't want to do that. Okay. <laughs> I don't either. I don't Jed want, always tells me to do the neti pot. I don't like, first of all, I don't like the word. Neti? <laughs> I don't like a neti pot. pot. Like, I don't want, what about don't, like Sinu cleanse? There are other it's versions. Like, it's like mishpot. Yeah. Mishpot. Mishpot. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, uh, you're on a time crunch, so I want to get yep. to sermon. Speaking yep. of mishpot, <laughs> um, real quick, Tyler, how are you? I'm good, man. How's baby? Hey. Speaking of living the dream, we still got food rolling in on this meal train. <laughs> wow. Yeah, things are good. Week, That's a good deal. Week three? Yeah. Week nice. three, my wife sent me a picture today of both of our kids in matching oh, shirts. That so picture like, was great. Yeah, she put it just, on Instagram. Yeah, it's just... It was a great picture. Everything's great. I'm good. Okay. We're good. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're in week three of our sermon series, of our six-week sermon series, Return to Eden. Yes. And Dave, you gave the sermon this past week, Sinus Infection and All. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about justice, right? Yeah, it was one of the themes uh, of the law. One of the four themes we're exploring through the law. Yeah. And so can you kind of recap maybe the big idea for anybody who may have missed it or hasn't seen it yet? Yeah, the big idea is uh, God's expectation that the, the people of God would mirror his heart, and that is to provide justice um, for the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And... It, in a return to Eden, to use our big idea, return to Eden, uh, uh, Eden will feel like a place that is f- full of justice for the vulnerable and the marginalized. Mm-hmm. And when we say vulnerable and mar- marginalized, you gave a couple of specific examples that the Bible talks about, like widows, Orphan, yeah. orphans, orphans, poor. widows, foreigners, and the poor. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, first, you, you, you started in Deuteronomy 16, and you talked about setic setic. Can you kind of, if we if we use these words yeah, throughout the show, I, I kind of want to yeah, give the context of uh, what that means. They're Hebrew. They're two Hebrew words that are that are translated in English to justice. And uh, and I, I want to give a shout out to um, oh, Tim Keller, who was, who, he was the one that helped me to understand the difference, the one of them is about uh, primary justice or an atmosphere of justice, um, and the other is uh, res- um, reparative, restorative justice. Yeah. Um, so tzedek is about primary justice, and mishpat, which is the other Hebrew word, is about uh, restorative justice. And they're both like restorative justice 200 times in, in the Hebrew Old Testament. Hmm. It's all over the place. And this idea of justice... You said in Deuteronomy 10, he's not telling us to care about justice just because it's a good thing to do. He's he's telling us to or asking us to care about justice because it's what he cares about. Yeah. And you said this. I don't know if this was like a. I, I paid attention to this because I pay attention to these types of things. But you said people people leave churches and leave believing in Jesus because of stuff like this. Like they believe that churches aren't doing enough of this. They, they believe that churches are not paying enough attention to helping well, and solving and not only do people leave churches for that reason, people won't go to churches. Right. There was a, um, there was a, a guest, actually a family member of one of our staff members that was in the service this past weekend and her reaction, she was in tears. She said, I don't remember the last time I heard Christians talking about mm-hmm. caring for the marginalized or in that in those kind of mm-hmm. terms. So, there, and on the other hand, not to get too controversial here, but the idea of social justice in some Christian circles is considered liberalism. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, all part of what I want to get yeah, to. So it, it, it is a hot potato mm. It's a hot button issue in Christianity today, the idea of justice. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, it's like it's slathered through the Old yeah. Testament. <laughs> There's a word. Slathered. Slathered through it the Old Testament. It's smeared. It's everywhere. <laughs> you cannot avoid it. You just bump into it every yeah. Now there's some there now I'm sure we'll get into it, but that Exodus twenty one passage is just mm-hmm. ridiculously controversial. Mm-hmm. And we can come back to that later. But so the message of caring about justice is as we're talking about in the Old Testament law, you said it's in the Psalms, you drew us to oh, a passage all there. The scriptures, Prophets yeah. talked about it. Jesus, Obviously Jesus talked yeah. about it. Um and people that weren't into it, Jesus like religious leaders, like he was in their faces oh, yeah. about about caring about this. And so I guess my big question on this show is like, what happened? Why hmm. is this so controversial? If this is what we believe, like, I don't want this to be like, I, this is not going to be a political discussion, but it's become a political thing. Yeah. But we're coming at it from like a, a biblical 
we believe that this is biblical. Yeah. So what 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 do you believe happened? Yeah, there, there's a, and a little bit of history here around the turn of the uh, 20th century, the early 1900s. Christianity went through a rather convulsive 10 to 20 years. Uh, when was the, when were the monkey trials? The scopes. Uh, 1910s, 10. teens. So yeah, in the in 20s? the early, yeah the first yeah. 10 to 15 years of of um, the 19th century. Christianity broke into essentially uh, separate out Roman Catholicism and then Protestantism broke into essentially three major groups of people. One were charismatics because the whole, the, the whole movement of the Holy Spirit in certain churches began around about the same time. And then there was this division between what was perceived to be biblically focused um, fundamentalist churches and uh, progressive mainline churches. Mm-hmm. And there, there was, 1925. 1925. That was so, the Scopes Monkey Trial. So, and that was that was a big political, spiritual thing uh, that was a, essentially boiled down to uh, how people viewed the scriptures. All that to say, liberalism, uh, mainline churches, took on the idea of justice, whereas fundamentalist churches um, started to turn their back on it because they wanted to focus on the word of God and um, and they were all right but they mm. were all divided and as a result of that from the early 1900s there are certain people who still say that justice which mainline churches have always emphasized is liberal yeah and which I think is nuts I think it's crazy yeah and I also think in the in the 60s and 70s you started to see new forms of justice focused theology coming out of like the global South coming from like Latin American liberation theology and African liberation theology, which from my vantage point, having been at Moody and then at Fuller, it looks to be something that was seen as not the same hermeneutic of scripture as evangelicalism. And so that then again became the liberal justice focused theology. Yeah. Yeah. In my experience um, growing up in a charismatic church, my charismatic church in particular, I would say was more focused on just making converts. Yes. Yeah. Just evangelism, winning souls. And uh, when I turned 18 and moved to the city and started working at a homeless shelter, you know, really putting things that I had believed into action and serving the poor, I I actually got some backlash for for doing that. Um, But my church had no problem sending money to foreign missionaries again to make converts, not necessarily to um, kind of help assist them in whatever battles they were fighting or whatever hardships they were facing, but to win their souls. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, I kind of feel like nervous talking about this and I shouldn't feel nervous. Mm -mm. Like it is controversial and it's frustrating that it's controversial. Like Dave, and even reading your book, like I'm a champion for justice. Okay. So, um, I think like this, this topic fires me up almost more than anything else, but I feel nervous in the context of talking about it within church. And, and so I want to make sure that friends of the pod, like, I, I don't feel like we're talking about this as a way, like, like you said, Dave, it's liberalism. Like we're not, we're not talking about this because we hug trees and hate cops. <laughs> 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 like, it, it, you know, that's not what we're saying, and that's not what our motives are for caring about this. It's we 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 believe that this is what Jesus cares about. It's what God yeah. cares about. It's what you said in your message, and yeah. um, it it is frustrating that it it's so culturally like. Well, okay, and let's be honest too. Um, you, you, what we're struggling with right now every day is the conversation about immigration in America. Yeah, and so when you talk about the foreigner, I am quite sure that everyone in their mind. Or many people in their minds were going, wait a minute, are you saying that yeah. uh, X, Y, Z about immigrants or something like that? And I wasn't talking about that at all. I right. was, although it, it does relate. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, like I said, it is all over the scriptures. Yeah. And God makes it very clear. And if you don't do this, I will curse you. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what? Woe to you. Woe to you. Cursed is the one Mm. who does not provide for the poor, the widow, Mm -hmm. the foreigner. Yeah. Jesus Jesus himself almost never, he talks about Gehenna, the the trash heap outside of Jerusalem. But the only other times that he talks about like hell or, or judgment has to do with not salvation. And it has to do with caring for the poor. You know, the whole sheep and the goats was about, 
you know, caring for the poor and the marginalized. So it's it's a bigger yeah. deal than than I think a lot of folks well, it recognize is. in Scripture. If we could back up for a second here. When God called Abraham, Genesis 12, he said, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless the na- other nations will be blessed through you. By, estab- by establishing a people of God that it was a just society, that would draw the nations to God mm. because they w- that's the place I want to be. That's that um, uh, tzedek atmosphere. When a person walks into, into an atmosphere that is full of justice, they will feel at home there. They will meet God there. Yeah. I believe that when we create an atmosphere of justice, we open the door for conversion, for people to come to God. Yeah. That's, you know, if you, if you want to pull the two theologies together, that's how, it, that's how it works. Yeah. And, and all throughout the New Testament, when we talk about uh, the good news of the kingdom of God, like that's what Jesus says is the kingdom of God oh, is at hand. That yeah. is the gospel. That's the good news. Absolutely. And if you look at the whole context of biblical theology and scripture, the kingdom of God is where justice reigns and where, where, and that's the Eden that we're talking about. It's all, right? it's all connected. And yeah. so to say that the kingdom of God is at hand, that is the good news. That is the gospel. It doesn't just mean you get to be whisked away to go to heaven when you die. It yeah. means mm-hmm. that, that things will be made right. That's mm-hmm. right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a way to live on this earth. I'm wondering why we have no problem with, you know, the, love your neighbor as yourself in the new Testament. But when you quote Leviticus 19, treat the foreigner like the native born, like native born Israelites, essentially treat foreigners like they're one of you. Yeah. Like they're one of you. Treat foreigners like native born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. How is, how are we uncomfortable with that one? Yeah. Well, and you realize that's where Jesus is quoting when he says, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord, your God. Mm. Like we talked about last week. Uh, and then he says, yeah, and love your neighbor as yourself. He's quoting that verse, which if you look at the longer thing has to do with foreigners. Yeah. Grr. Grr. <laughs> Grr. the word. Yeah. I think this is a biblical understanding or de- definition of justice. And if this moves people at Grace Church or whoever toward Eden or toward creating Eden or returning to Eden, that's exactly what we're trying to do. If we can look out for the weak and vulnerable that is that is a a part of the gospel yes yeah and justice like you said dave justice is one part of um the old testament law that we chose to talk about it's just one part of the gospel it it if it it's one way to keep in step with Mm. the gospel it and to return to eden has to include has to has to include justice has to and Maren, you say it every week, do justly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That came to my mind as I was listening to the sermon. I listened to the sermon driving home from North Carolina. <laughs> my son was asleep next to me and I was Come listening on, Jane. to Couldn't this. Come on, stay awake for church? Lighthearted, easy listening, <laughs> easy listening. <laughs> sermon. Oh, the pod's going to be a breeze yeah. tomorrow. No, I felt like. God rules. <laughs> right. <laughs> I felt like I needed like 10 more weeks to chew on some of the things that, that you said in this sermon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I left a lot out too. Mm. Yeah, I love, I love moments like this. I don't know the type of feedback you've gotten, Dave, but I feel like the people of Grace Church were, are into this type of stuff. Like this is what they want. We did research a couple of years ago as a communications team for, on behalf of Grace Church, where we called members of the community who were not part of Grace Church just to ask questions like, what do you think a church needs to do? Do you know anything about the churches in your area? Like what, what do you think the, most important role of a church is and above everything else they said the most important thing for a church to do in my community is to care for the poor and these mm-hmm. are people that didn't go to church they they said i don't belong to a church i don't even believe in god but the churches in my community i think the most important for them to do the most important thing for them to do is to care for people yeah. that are poor. And I think there's hate. a disconnect there though, that they would see church as a charitable entity. Like we are, we are the ones to take care of the poor. But while we do take care of the poor here, we empower and equip our people to heal that broken place Yeah, to Absolutely. take care of the poor. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to create champions of justice. Right, right, right. A church can't just care for the poor without people who are willing to rise up and care for the poor. No. Yeah. And, and that, that's, um, yeah, that we're, I hope 
we didn't walk away from this message with us thinking, okay, institutionally, we need to be focused on this. Focused on this. I want families and individuals. I want my own life to demonstrate yeah. justice because I want to model the heart of God. I, it is, like I said, it's unequivocal and it's unambiguous. Mm-hmm. That you, I, I dare you to mm. show me where justice is not part of the kingdom of God. Yeah, you're, you're, and and you, but you better, we better get your Bible out and show right. me where it's not. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and I'll yeah. Um, okay, so let's get to another controversial topic in oh, Exodus yeah. 21. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, yeah. This was another part of your sermon where you talked about Exodus 21, and I think I think it was good that we talked about it. But uh, it's a it's a it's a passage of scripture that historically uh, people have pointed to where they could say the Bible endorses slavery. So let's spend a few moments talking about that. And and, and by the way, you picked that dad as a as an example of many parts of the law that seem today to be like very controversial or seem to be a little bit backwards or not just yeah. at all. That just happens to be a pretty red hot one. Oh yeah. I, I could have, I could have ignored that. I could have ignored that passage. Yeah. Um, and I considered it. And when I told Penny, she was like, why don't you not just not just, talk about that? Yeah, lay low for a while. But the fact of the matter is it is the anti-justice. Yeah. Because slavery, of all things, is maybe the most unjust thing. And yet, when I read through Exodus 20, and all I, the reason why I got there is I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to sit down and do my own personal survey of the law. I'm going to read through it. Mm-hmm. And so Exodus 21 is the beginning. Yeah. Because that, right before that is the Ten Commandments. And then Exodus 21.1, he says, and now here are the, yeah. here are the uh, laws that I want you to give to the people of Israel. Number one. Hebrew slaves. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so my first question about that, because I think we've talked about this on this show before. Mm-hmm. Are we looking at like ancient Far East slavery within the light of what we know as slavery in our recent history as Americans? And is that fair? Were they were they comparable? Actually, actually they were. It's not that far off. It was somebody owning somebody else. It was property. Right. So that's no different than American slavery. But, well, it's it's different in that they it was a Hebrew purchasing another Hebrew. They didn't go to another continent, steal people. Right. Yes. Okay. It, and yes, absolutely. In it's the, more of an economic thing than a there was no racial or however. Ethn- well, there may have been theft. occasionally. There, there theft. were. Yes. Theft of human life. Yeah. But there was that too because there was a lot of slavery that came out of conquest. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I didn't. I don't think I read this part, but there is a couple of parts where it says how okay it was to take slaves from nations you've conquered. Mm-hmm. So that's the closest equivalent, I would think. Um, but the actual ownership of a person and the way you treated the slave, the 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 one uniqueness to the law was that Hebrew slaves. Um, were supposed to be set free every six, every seven years, six years. Mm-hmm. And that was a considerable upgrade to the ancient Near East in the t- in the time. Yeah, because that uh, slave owners would never let their slaves go. But I mean, another distinction though is that in the ancient world, at least in ancient Rome, based on what we can tell, there were a lot like of slaves. It was yeah all over the world, and it was like potentially even a third to a half of all people were slaves were yeah. slaves of other people, mm-hmm. but. But, but I, I hear what you're saying, Marin, it, or it, there's more of a sense of it. They're more like Uber servants than stolen humans. Yeah. But, in, but, it, but not always. No, because uh, that verse 20 of Exodus 21 is, is that repugnant passage where it says, you know, if, if a man beats his slave and the mm. slave dies, then the man can be held accountable for, but if the slave right. uh, recovers in two days, it's okay because it says literally because the slave is his property. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I, so when I was reading that, all the movies I've read, the story, the the history I've read in the United States, how many times have we seen stories of slaves being beaten, hmm. yeah, and killed? Um, so <clears throat> yeah, so it's a, the reason why I wanted to cover that is because in my I could not, in all integrity, talk about justice 
and then leave a passage that seemed to be unjust undealt with. Mm -hmm. That's why I did it. So talk a little bit about what you said about it, about what you said about well, it's that injustice. Yeah, it's complicated because, you know, I want to ask God, you had, this is ridiculous what I'm about to say, but you, <laughs> you had your chance, God, yeah. when you're reinventing, when you're introducing the new Eden, yeah. why didn't you at that point say, and by the way, the nation of Israel will have no slaves? Right. Why didn't, because we have, you know, along many, many centuries later, William Wilberforce stands up and says, this is wrong. Hmm. You know, and so the bottom line is um, the hermeneutic, we use the word hermeneutic, it's essentially how you interpret the scripture, mm -hmm. okay? Um, the way we work through it is that we look at, first of all, that understanding of slavery versus the ancient Near East understanding of slavery, it definitely was an upgrade. In other words, life was better for slaves in Israel than it was for the rest of the world. That's not saying much. Yeah. As you see the moral arc, I call it the moral arc of scripture or the moral trajectory of scripture. By the time you get to the New Testament, slavery is still, I mean, Paul says, if you're, if you're a slave, stay a slave. Slavery was still a thing in the Roman Empire. But Paul and, and others started to reframe the identity of a slave and said, we're all one. Slave free, we're yeah, all, all yeah. in Christ. Well, Philemon is a whole letter to a slave owner yeah. about a slave, both of whom have now become Christ followers. And Paul's saying, "Look, he's your brother he's now. Your brother. Mm. He's your brother now." Mm. I didn't get, get. I didn't have time to get into yeah. that too. Yeah. So, so there, there uh, is a trajectory to it. Yeah. yeah. But it, but the the New Testament ends. The narrative ends in the New in in Acts, and we don't have resolution. We still have slavery, and it took many many centuries later for abolitionists to rise up and say enough of this. Yeah. And in the meantime, in the United States, we have uh, in a reprehensible series of sermons given over a hundred years or more, we have pastors in pulpits claiming Exodus 21 as proof that slavery is okay. Talk about a horrible hermeneutic. Right. Taking it literally. And as a result of that, I, I would go once, to, I, would, I would say I have some brothers in the pulpit from centuries ago that probably led to the destruction of human beings as a result. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, the things that I have kind of an idea that I've latched onto that I've started to really think about as I deal with a lot of this stuff in the old Testament. Uh, I'm not sure where I heard it, but it it's fascinating to consider is the idea that, that God does not lobotomize his followers. And by that, I mean, he doesn't, you know, reach into our brains and just like change things for us. He lets us be human. He even lets us misunderstand him, misunderstand his intentions or, or not entirely like fully grasp what he's trying to get at and do our best. He lets that happen. And so perhaps, uh, because this was, I'll use an example, like a, a more neutral example. He never goes back into the Old Testament and says, hey guys, the earth's actually round and also you should boil your water. Like he could have done that. He never told them to boil their water. There were people dying at age 25 all the time. So it's like from preventable diseases. So he didn't, he never, he didn't come in and just like blow their minds with the whole new worldview, except in very, very rare occasions, like in Jesus. But even when he came as Jesus, he didn't, you know, yeah. force everybody to whatever. Yeah. So it's possible. And again, this, it says, God says this in the old Testament. And so yeah. you have to have a hermeneutic of saying this was their interpretation of what God but says, said, yeah. but you'd go down that road too far. And suddenly you're, you're like, well, how do I trust do anything? I the scripture yeah. says? Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. I'm not suggesting that that's, that's it. But I think there may be something to that, that the law itself is an expression of the Israelites understanding of God's intentions, even though perhaps the understanding is not, uh, it's not a full representation of God's ideals taken to their extreme yeah. as Jesus did. There, there's a, there are a lot of gymnastics that theologians go through to explain mm -hmm. these passages. And, um, that whole idea of the moral arc, not even every, not everybody would agree with that. There's some people that would lop off the Old Testament and say that's just ignorant. Mm. We don't we don't believe that. That's another hermeneutic. It's not mine, but um, it, there's got to be some reason. Yeah, there's some reason why it's there 
and why abolition of slavery was not something God instituted at Mount Sinai. I don't, I'll never understand. And I, like I said, at the end of my sermon, God, I hope I got that right. I want to be humble enough to, you know, and say, I don't, I don't want to be prescriptive about this. This is the, my best guess as to what it was about. Scripture says that we can come boldly before him and ask him those questions. And so I was encouraged that you did go there and that you went to a place even of uncertainty. And I mean, I think people are tired of hearing pastors pretend like they have all the answers. Mm -hmm. So that was just refreshing for me. It's making me dig deeper. Um, One thing we mentioned on the pod last week was Matthew 22. Um, Again, back to Jesus saying, love the Lord, your God with the two greatest commandments, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the new King James, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So with that context, I'm going back to Exodus 21 saying, Mm -hmm. okay, where is love your neighbor as yourself? It's in here and I can see it in small places. Like when you, when you read the scripture about, um, here it is. If the, if the slave comes in by himself, he'll go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife can go with him. If his master has given him a wife and she's born him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. That sounds terrible. It's <laughs> that sounds awful. Yeah. But read on. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges, bring him to the doorpost. And what happens next? Pierce his ear with an awl. <laughs> with a what? And he'll serve him forever. A pointy, pointy thing. It just oh, gets his ears thing. pierced. Well, yeah. He's being pierced for the sake of love, essentially. Like if he says he loves his master and he loves his wife and he loves his children, he's willing to sacrifice himself to the point of being pierced. This is sounding familiar to be able to stay in relationship (laughs) with his wife and with his kids. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for love in this passage. Ideally, if they were to abide by the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, the master would be loving the servant would want to serve him because you got a loving master. I want to stay with this guy forever. Mm. If I have a loving boss, I want to stay with that boss forever. If I, if I love my wife, I want to stay with my wife forever. It, it took a very ugly, weird passage of scripture. It made me say, wait a minute. In a perfect world, in the, in the light of love your neighbor as you love yourself, this could actually not be terrible. Right. Yeah. And especially if you consider the al- the alternative, which is when his time's up, you're gone. I don't care if you have a family. They're my, it's basically, they're my cattle. You helped me sire some more offspring to be more slaves, but you're gone. Mm-hmm. Like, which would have been the ancient Near East. Sure. That's the way I'm it was. I'm sure it would have been because you know, it actually assigns personhood to a slave in a but, culture, which, but yeah. But what you did coming to that is the reason why we have to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and I don't mean to be pejorative. I don't mean to be point fingers at people here, but the average person won't do what you did. Seriously. Yeah. And, and that is say, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to go and I'm going to study deeper. I'm going to think deeper. I'm going to pray about this and look what I've, look what I came up with. Here's what I perceive. Um, it, it's frustrating to me and I get it. We're all busy and this stuff is deep. Who wants to, who wants to do a deep dive into justice in the old Testament? But I wish Barry, Barry, Barry (laughs) all all day, son. (laughs) But I wish people would think the way Marin just thought. Yeah. Because in the thinking is the transformation Mm. and not in the hearing of the answer, but in the process of thinking through it, God meets us. Yeah. I just, I don't know where, okay, well maybe for some of us, maybe for some of us, we were raised I was, my parents did not raise me this way, but I certainly had pastors in my life who accused me of overthinking and accused me of not having faith to trust, you know, because I just wanted to think about everything. One pastor came my way. I remember him very well. And he said there were a group of people in the new Testament called the Bereans and they were thinkers. They were thinkers. Yeah. And it's, it's okay. You're a Berean. It's okay to do that. 
I I love this church because this church lets me wrestle. Like Mm. that's really important to me. Again, if a pastor came to me and said, nope, this is what you should believe because I say so. I'm going to have a harder time with that. But Mm. you inviting us Mm -hmm. into the process of studying to show ourselves approved and rightly dividing the word of God, inviting us to be a part of that so we can have open conversations where we wrestle. That, That to me is the faith. Yeah. That's Christian yeah. life. I'm with you 100%. <clears throat> and you said something, Marin, that I agree with. You said <clears throat> people are tired of pastors sounding like they have all the answers yeah. or something. You said something yeah. like that. And I think that's totally true. I think people turn away from churches because folks like us try to answer things that are unanswerable. Mm. And we don't know why God didn't abolish slavery. And if anyone tells me that they do know why, me being who I am, I'm just going to raise my eyebrows and be like, eh, probably not. You don't know yeah. why. But this is this is one of the many reasons I do love Grace Church is because when we don't know something, Dave, you literally said, I got nothing. <laughs> like, we're going to admit that we may not know, yeah. but we do have faith. And in the meantime, let's go do justly. Yeah. You know. And and we believe that the word of God is inspired by yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. He, he inspired it. And so if I'm holding in my hands a book that was inspired by the God of the universe, then I, I have to treat that with humility. And I also have to, I have to be anxious to find out what it's saying. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what, that's what we do. But I, yeah. And, and you, you I, dig I, deep. We, yeah. You dig deep. Well, and I gotta be honest after this is my 42nd year of being a pastor. Um, R- Richard Rohr, in his book, Falling Upward, says the older you get and more on your second journey, and I believe I'm on my second journey, the more gracious you become, the more uh, open you become, you you become less rigid. And I'm, I'll am i be honest with you, it's happening to me. Mm. I feel it. Penny and I were talking about this at dinner the other night. Both, I think both of us um, are, pro, I get emotional thinking about this. We are, we're not who we used to be. Mm. Um the, the days of black and white, the days of rigidity uh, are over. And I'm not saying I've changed my theology. Don't get me wrong on that. I still believe what I believe. But at the same time, I have a lot more sh- shoulder shrugging going on mm-hmm. than ever before. Yeah. Where are we heading next, Barry? Where are we doing? Well, what I wish we were doing is, Dave, is Dave, you talking go. about Sorry. the thing I just thought of, which would be great for this conversation, but we're out of time. So no, no, let's, no, 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 no. What? All the, no. what? Dave's got to no, go. I just got to go. So okay. we can keep I'll talking. You guys all right. Talk. All right. Fine. Yeah. yeah we'll, okay. keep, Sorry. we'll keep going. Sorry. Wait, right. I want to hear what this is, but I got to go. Yeah. Dave, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll see you uh, next time you preach. I Hopefully. <laughs> you got it. See right, ya. See ya. <laughs> uh, so it, it, something came to mind of, the way that I talked about the law, you wouldn't. I'm not expecting you to remember this, but when I when we did the BYOB series, the original BYOB series a couple summers ago, I did the message about the law, and one of the things that I pointed out was the fact that um, the way we think of law, we we you know we think of like a law code, we think of like all the laws in the Old Testament as this like comprehensive code of life that covers all aspects of society, but it would be a really poor law code because it misses out on a lot of parts of life. And so it misses out on economics. It misses out on certain things. You know, it has laws about what to do when an, when an ox gores somebody to death, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really talk about what happens when a donkey kicks you in the teeth. So well, yeah. do you just at that moment throw up your hands and be like, well, there's no law about it. We, just, we don't know what to do. No, you, you take what you learned about the ox goring somebody and you apply it. And one of the things that I think the original the Hebrews had, which we tend to miss, is the fact, I always talk about the Old Testament as uh, Hebrew scripture as an invitation to wrestle, an invitation to chew. And th- yeah. I, I believe that all of these laws were meant to be the starting point for conversation and debate. And and mm-hmm. it was that in the Hebrew world. They That's the whole reason there were so many rabbis and schools of thought. They would all interpret things differently. And debate about what? What? Like you read a law like this and and... I think instead of us being like, all right, well, that's what God says. That's black and white. Let's right. make it happen. I think what we're meant to do is say, okay, what, what, just what you just did, Mary, what is loving about this? What is just about this? The law itself, black and white or the spirit yes. behind the law, the exactly. spirit of the law. Right. And if you're, if you took every law as an invitation to think about it, this is, this is a, this is a case study in justice in ancient Near East. You read that, you think, Huh. Okay. So actually, we should give more dignity to the personhood of our slaves. We can't just kick them out. If they have a family, 
we should think about that they have a family, right? Or something yeah. like that. Maybe. So it, it's entirely possible that if you were to continue to have conversations about these things, that you might end up actually coming to the conclusions that would lead you to not even having slaves at all. <laughs> if yeah. you were to, mm-hmm. if you were to really think about it and keep processing it as a community over time. And again, I always talk about scripture is handed down from generation to generation. It's only in the last couple of hundred years that we've all decided that there's this one black and white meaning behind everything that we all just have to learn that meaning and then just shut up about it. Whereas it's always been this conversation, this, this wrestling, which I think allows us to then say, actually, we shouldn't have slaves. Yeah. Mm. And again, I think that's that's what I'm encouraged by being part of this particular fellowship. I don't have to be afraid to wrestle. Right. I don't have to yeah. I don't have to avoid this passage. Right. And I don't even have to be afraid to sit right next to sit between my pastors. <laughs> between two pastors. Between two pastors. <laughs> and and admit, Get out. M- admit that I'm questioning. Yeah. Or to ask the hard questions. I don't have to be afraid. That's incredible. I haven't always felt like this in my life. Wow. So to come here and feel like this. And I, I pray that for everybody who's listening, that you would feel the freedom to dig deep and yeah. ask the hard questions and wrestle. Amen. So next week, what's so, the topic? Sorry. Okay. So <laughs> next week, what are we talking uh, about? We are going to be getting into holiness. Pastor Tim is coming. He's going to be sharing All right. thoughts about holiness, which means we will be likely hearing about laws about clean and unclean things and swarming beasts and all sorts of good stuff. And, um, I'm really excited about it because, well, I'll let him talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, are we going to have him on the pod next week? I hope so. Yeah. If he's here, he's on. All right. Sweet. Are we going to be listening to music? I really hope hope so. so. It's been too long. (laughs) All right. So that's what's coming next. And then we'll keep the series going for a few more weeks. And uh, you're on Wednesday Facebook Live. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, and we How's forgot that to mention that in the service. So, so far, it's been great. Two times, a lot of great questions. So far, nobody has sent in questions yet this week because we didn't mention it in the service. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm expecting like me and like my mother-in-law are going to be on Facebook <laughs> Live. You know, so just... your dad preached, but you're covering the questions. I'm going to cover the questions because he's not available at that time, yeah. unfortunately. You guys want to join? Want to do like a... <laughs> just kidding. We could. It'd be fun. No, I just... My eyes got big because I realized what I'm doing Wednesday. <laughs> my grandma is coming to stay with me for Ooh. five days. Oh, my. So my dad could go visit his dad uh, oh, in Florida. His, okay. dad's, his dad's got some health issues, so yeah. he's going down there. But grandma's right. coming. You should have grandma on the pod. Oh, my word. All right. <laughs> Producer Tyler's right over here. Bring her on. She can play... She can bring some music with Tim. She'll either say something incredibly profound that will like rock us all to the core or something so nonsensical. We'll just be confused for hours. Yeah. Something to think about. Something (laughs) to think (laughs) about. about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. Looking forward to that. Uh, So Wednesday at 7? That's correct. 7 p.m. Eastern. (laughs) Facebook Live. (laughs) Okay. All right, cool. On Grace's Grace's Facebook Live. Yeah. Great. Cool. So we'll see you next week. But before that, between now and then, Aaron, will you please send us out? Sure thing. Do justly. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. Sunday.